Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Cotton Club crew. This is episode 35. We're back after a brief break to chat more Texas Tech basketball we are unfortunately catching up in the middle of a bit of a losing streak. The Red Raiders have now dropped several in a row, most recently to Baylor, which we'll be talking about, where the shorthanded Red Raiders took on highly rated Baylor Bears. Um, that's a tough out in Waco. That's a tough out for any team, let alone one done. What is arguably your most critical piece at this juncture, Warren Washington, is your only true big. Not having him substantially hamstrings you as a team. Team showed a lot of fight in this game, though. So we'll break down some of the lessons learned from that one, some of the big picture stuff, some of the positives to to look to in the middle of this losing streak. As a reminder, you know, that there is a chance that this is just a temporary fashion as it was for the Elite Eight and Final Four teams back in the day. After that, we'll look ahead to Saturday's matchup with UCF. UCF is sitting at 13-8 and eight overall. The Red Raiders will be looking to hold serve and get back on the right track against what is arguably one of the weaker, only weaker teams in the Big 12, but one very capable of beating you if you get caught napping. Um, as the Sooners found out last time out against the, the Golden Knights, um, Joe, we're going to start, though, with the Baylor matchup. This is – you're going into a hostile environment in Waco. It's a tough out. Um, you're going into an environment that for any situation wouldn't be pleasant to play in, let alone down Warren Washington. Um, Robert Jennings would insert into the lineup, and, and just to be frank, he was just completely ineffective in this game. Uh, that, that, that's unfortunate. It was a moment for him to really show himself. He was one for five from the field, had two points, four rebounds, he was a plus minus 10. I mean, it's just a disaster right now for uh, anybody to come in when Warren cannot play. So let's start there. Uh, it, our, you know, Warren Washington's long-term health was always going to be important to the season. But was it a little bit disheartening to see that no one could really fill into the role at all, which basically made this effectively a six-man game for Texas Tech? Well, I mean, I think, this coaching staffer, I mean, Coach McCaslin, with him not wanting to insert some of your bigger guys, your EY, your Kai Lindsay's, your Robert Jennings, into some kind of normal kind of rotation with some kind of mean, meaningful minutes moving forward. I think this is when times like these come back and bite you in the ass. Nothing against McCaslin and how he's coached this team, but I do think that if you do have some of your bigger guys on the bench that are just sitting there, especially with a Kai Lindsey kind of uh, player, ex four-star recruit, hasn't seen a whole lot of playing time this year. Obviously with the, the Washington not playing because he's hurt, he's forced to, you know, play some more and he hasn't seen any playing time. So you kind of, you're throwing guys in, in their hostile environment, like you said, in Baylor top, top 25 matchup, nationally televised, everything like that. I mean, it's it's going to be tough for anybody to play in that game, more or less a guy who has played five minutes or less in the season collectively. It's just a really tough position to be put in whenever you have your only true big, like you said, out of the game. 
then you're having foul troubles with some of these bigs that you're throwing in there, not because they're not good. It's just because they haven't been in the mix all season. And it's tough to, to get away from things like that, or at least, at least lean on, you know, you have these guys who have seen some meaningful minutes, you know, during the course of the year, they get thrown into the action. They're not quite as wide eyed as they were. And maybe things change, but I mean, there's a lot of different things that were going on there. We did miss a lot of open looks close to the close to the rim and down low. They, you know, we, which we'll start talking about here shortly. But as far as the guys filling in for um, Warren Washington, they just haven't seen enough playing time to be, you know, competitive or to be useful or relied on to fill those shoes and it's just real tough to see um much credit to those guys for going in there and fighting and playing their tails off but it's just one of those things that you know that's one of those um, achilles heels of this team that um among uh, that also with rebounding yeah, I mean, you're going to lose every game if you're out-rebounded 33-19. to 19. I mean, let, let's just be frank here. You're going to lose every game giving up 11 offensive rebounds. It, it, Tech has struggled with it all year, and in the middle of this losing streak, it's been very apparent um, that without the ability to effectively rebound, this team has a hard ceiling. That is the big lesson, unfortunately, here. This team at full strength does not rebound very well. Warren Washington, for all of his size, is just not very physical. He just isn't, and, and it, it's something that, like, with more time in the Big 12, you hope maybe could still develop, but he's just not up to the banging that happens in this conference. I mean, that's no insult to him. He plays hard. I think he's a great ball player, but this is a different kind of league, and he clearly does not know how to bang in it, and that, that has hurt you all year. But with him out for, um, you know, a game, it became very apparent. Just there's nobody to go to. There's just the, the reason why the rebounding's been so bad is because it is literally just Warren Washington and nobody else. I mean, you had four offensive rebounds in this game. You gave up 11. You're out-rebounded by 14. And you didn't shoot the ball that well, for that matter. I mean, like, you, you're, you're, you didn't shoot poorly, but you also missed a couple of free throws. Um, you had 25 fouls called in this game. We'll talk about the officiating here in a minute. You didn't – Pop had probably one of his more forgetful shooting nights, going two for seven from deep. Um, you know, it, it just the, the reality is, is that without Warren Washington, this team just isn't very good. So the fact that you were in this game at all, and we'll talk about this in a minute as well, is a testament to Coach McCaskill's, you know, uh, the, the effort he put into getting these guys ready to play. Because to be frank, without a true big, without any ability to rebound or at all or really defend the interior, there's just nothing you can do. I mean, there's just nothing you can do with the kind of guys you've got on the court right now. Um, because you just, I mean, like, you don't have, like, this isn't like the, I thought one of the most effective things about the 2019 Final Four team was, like, the guards were so good at the perimeter. Teams even struggled to challenge Tariq. And if you did get there, then Tariq shut the door. But the problem is, is that these guards just don't guard that well on ball. I mean, let's, let's just be clear, no insult to any of these guys. That was an elite defensive team that year. And it's comparing apples to oranges because most teams are not that good or active with their hands. But you don't have that. So they're not have any rim protection at all with Washington out. This was always going to be a disaster. So, you know, I, I want to be clear. Only losing this game by six, I think, is as close to a true moral victory as you can get. But, you know, like the rebounding is going to haunt this team even when Washington's back. It's haunted this team 
game all year. It'll continue to haunt them. And ultimately, I would be willing to bet money if this team is unseated early in the NCAA tournament or for some reason really stumbles and does not make the tournament, which I would pray does not happen to you, um, it'll be rebounding. I would bet dollars to donuts that actually does it because those second chance points that opposing teams are getting and that you're not getting are killing you. Uh, but we knew that going into this one. So what I'm more disheartened by was just there really wasn't anybody who really picked up the slack, I guess. I mean, Chance McMillan had a pretty decent game. Tucson had a bet. Tucson has not been playing well. This was the first game in a while. He really showed up offensively. Uh, Williams had a good game. But, like, Pop was pretty forgettable. Walton was forgettable. And I mentioned it. I, I like Robert Jennings. But he was like the definition of killing you out there. Um, he just was just uh, gave you nothing. I mean, just absolutely nothing. I um, mean, then you mentioned Lindsey Niaho. I mean, look, like the Lindsey situation is one I don't understand. I, I don't understand getting this kid into the Big Twelve as early as possible to keep his development going. You know, his his journey hasn't been great. He is behind a bit developmentally. I don't understand now when you, even with Washington, you really only have seven people that you trust to play, not trying to develop an eighth guy into the rotation. Even if it's just for minutes, it can't hurt him to get more playing time. So like I get the red shirt thing. I don't know the rules for basketball. I don't know if he's burned it or not, but the, 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 just the inability to recognize his development as being crucial in a year in which like you just don't have anybody he would be taking minutes from. I mean, like, I like Lamar Washington. Lamar Washington's been terrible this year. I like Robert Jennings. Robert Jennings has been terrible this year. Like, those are the two guys who would get minutes that should go to Lindsey right now. So I don't get that. And it showed up in tonight. It bit you in the ass. Like, I think McCaslin's done a fantastic job. He coached his ass off in this game. But that, that this oversight looms large in moments like this. Um, let's talk about the officiating for a minute, Joe. I mentioned it a, a second ago. 25 personal fouls to 15. I mean, this was one of the worst officiated games I think the Big Tolls had in a minute. Um, you've seen Kelvin Sampson over at U of H whining about it. I think actually Scott Drew got ejected the other day. I mean, more and more Big 12 coaches are recognizing, like, this is just fucking unbelievably unacceptable how bad the officiating is for the nation's top basketball conference. I mean, when, like, the Doug Sermons in the world are allowed to run around unchecked and just do – I mean, like, every game this, this year I've watched, what's frustrated me is the sensation that the officials – don't know what they're doing. Being a college basketball referee is fucking hard. Being a referee in basketball in general is hard. I did it for, like, rec league basketball at Tech. I did it for intramurals. And the, the number one thing that I took away from that experience, besides the fact if you're interested in doing something fun while you're in college, ref intramurals, it was a blast. But the number one thing I took away from it is, like, shit happens fast. Even just watching frat kids play what is effectively pickup basketball, it's happening so much faster out there. I can tolerate a couple of missed fouls, but like they don't seem to know the rules. They don't seem to have any control over the game. If you're at home and your coach works them, you got a good crowd behind you, the odds are good that they will completely take over the game for the home team. And it's just turned this league into a joke from an officiating perspective. Joe, will you watch the game the same sense, or do you have a different take on that? Uh, I'm in total agreement there. It's, I mean, and it's, I've watched big 12 games that don't even involve tech and watching some of the officiating across the board. It's terrible. Scott Drew's been thrown out. Then Kelvin Sampson's been thrown out. McCaslin, I think he's on the verge. I really think he's on the verge of, you know, 
crossing over into that, you know, ejected kind of situation. I mean, it's starting to affect games. Excuse me. It's been like that all year long. Um, Most notably, the first big one was, I don't remember who it was that was playing at the fog in, um, in Kansas, but that elbow towards Dickinson or something like that on a rebound and a flagrant was called. And then they got the ball back when they were down by five, makes the two free throws, gets the ball back, scores again, ties the game up, something like that. I don't, I'm not exactly sure of how that went down, but that was such a, such a BS call and it affected the game totally. I mean, you're, you're up late in a basketball game in arguably one of the hardest venues to play in in the country and to be robbed of that game it's terrible and it's and it's continued it's continued we've talked to other people we've talked to other podcasters who deal with their teams and their you know from their perspective and things like that we're getting hosed both ways i mean this one we got hosed more so but there are some calls that went there, you know, both ways, you know, that nobody gets a call. And it's terrible because it's consistently bad. You know, there's not ever a a, a moderately called Big 12 basketball game. It's swayed one way or the other with tons and tons of bad calls. And for having the best league in the country it's pretty pathetic that we we send these refs out on a nightly basis. Look, like officiating is hard, like I said, and there is an overwhelming problem with how we treat officials at a young age. Like the younger age group officials get beaten up so bad. People just don't stick in this profession that long. Because one of the problems is you don't make any goddamn money doing this. Like the, the this isn't the NFL. These guys are not well paid. This is a tough job with a lot of scrutiny. They're not well paid. And the reason why these guys don't get replaced is there aren't a lot of officials to replace them. But the, 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 the simplest answer to this is to improve drastically how you're training these guys. I refuse to believe college basketball refs at this level are so fucking stupid we can't teach them to do their jobs better. It's the lack of accountability and interest in helping them do their jobs better that that's the problem. It's the conference, it's the NCAA, and it's really, you see it across professional sports as well. There is such this, there's this last mentality, this dying old mentality that part of the game is officials making fucking bad calls. Like, we we, we cannot get people, we cannot convince people that stupid-ass judgment calls have no place in sports when we can and should do more to reverse them. There are some things you're never going to take away. I don't think we're ever going to robot arms. We're never going to go to robot basketball rest. You're never going to have every pass interference be reviewable, et cetera. And you shouldn't. But there needs to be this sense that we need the last thing to die is the idea that refs are supposed to make mistakes. They are not. It's too impactful. You should be. That is one of the few professions in which striving for perfection has like no consequences, right? Like you can't be worse at your job trying to be better at it in this context. Yeah, maybe if you're looking too hard for every ticky tacky thing, you'll catch too much. But even that, like we, it, it feels like the Big Twelve like can't get these guys to understand. There is a line between too much and too middle, and it's not even that hard to walk, right? Like these kids want. To play basketball. They are not looking to beat the shit out of each other. But if you let them, 
they will. Case in point, U of, what happened between Tech and U of H was a joke. I mean, it was a joke what U of H got away with in this game. They were watching just thinking, okay, you're playing a very, very good defensive basketball team, one of the better defensive basketball teams in the last 10 years. And if they can just shove anybody who comes into the paint, they can hand-check you every time you try to drive, you will not score. And lo and behold, Tech went almost an entire half without any real offensive production because they just let it go. And then I had U of H fans, honest to God, trying to tell me after the game, well, look at the foul differential. You guys, it was only a little bit different. It's like, that's not the point. The point is, is that's not basketball. And we can find a way to allow U of H and teams like U of H to play great defense without allowing them to just maul anybody with the ball. And alternatively, we can allow them to play great defense without calling them every time somebody might get bumped. It's just, I, I think, you know, the other angle I want to I say to give the officials a little bit of slack is like, we coach basketball badly now. Like the NBA, what the, the, the effect of the NBA bleeding more and more to the lower levels of basketball with how kids act means these guys are learning to hunt fouls younger and younger. Pop Isaacs does it. Joe Toussaint does it. It's not just a, like a, a Kansas problem. Every major program, all programs, they are hunting the foul because that's what the guys at the top are doing. That's what looks good in the NBA It's just throwing your body, throwing your head back. Because one of the things you learn if you've ever done any level of basketball officiating for any context is, like, if it looks like a foul, you're probably going to call it. So these guys acting is a big deal. And, like, the, it, it's a multifaceted problem, but the, the simplest answer to this is, like, it's too important to have it keep happening. It's gotten worse this year. This is the worst year I remember for Big 12 officiating. And it feels like every year we have some sort of massive screw-up at Kansas. And this one, it happened like the second week of Big 12 basketball. I think that was actually against Kansas State that this one went down. So, like, massively impactful both for the you know Big 12 race and for the state of Kansas. That is a huge rivalry. So, like, you know, we've been whining about the rest enough. Tech loses this game for any number of reasons. But one of the biggest reasons you can identify in a six-point loss is when you are called for 10 more fouls than the other team. And you're not a great defensive playing basketball team, which means there's no way in shit you actually were that active defensively to earn those fouls. So it's just a joke, and it has to get corrected. The Big 12 should be a tough place to go on the road. It should not be impossible because the officials are in the pocket of whoever the home team is. And I do think McCaslin's on the verge of getting tossed. Now, we're going to end this segment talking about Baylor and Texas Tech after this, Joe. But I want – this has been a highly negative. It's a loss. You're in the middle of this losing streak. Things are not great. But there are some positives in a six-point loss without Warren Washington and considering the officiating issues in this game. Joe, what, what's like your biggest big-picture takeaway from this one that makes you feel a bit better about this team's ability to get out of this losing streak? Um, two things, actually. The one biggest is that the fl- – and not using this as an excuse for anything. They still had to go out and play these games. But that flu bug that went through this – through the uni- through the basketball team and the program, things like that, I mean, those things are hard to overcome. That's just – you know and I know, even after you've had the flu, it still takes you a couple of days to get, you know, back to your normal self – breathing, being able to work out, being able to be active and doing all of the things. And then you're asking these D1 athletes to get over the flu, travel, and then do all the things that are very difficult to do. 
Once again, not making an excuse for this team. It's just one of the adversities that this team has had to go through the last two games. Um, you had Pop was sick the last home game. Lamar or Lamar didn't play because he was sick. Coach um, Brower was masked up on the sideline. Warren was fighting it. Pop looked terrible that last home game here against Cincinnati. I mean, these 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 are all things that happen. So I'm I'm glad and thankful that 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 bug has gone through this team, and it's one of those things that we don't necessarily have to talk about moving forward. No excuses. We still go out and play the games, and this is what happens. You know, the my next big takeaway is that Joe Toussaint's you know little lull I think is over. He was being more more aggressive, you know, getting guys up in the air, getting the call, going to the free throw line where he's a consistently good free throw shooter, getting the points, facilitating. There was a couple times there where he had some errant passes and things like that, but it was just, you know, more of the Joe Toussaint from earlier in the year and having him back to his normal self having Pop Isaacs back towards 100%, having Warren Washington back on the floor and on the court. I think, you know, we're poised to to come back strong this the rest of the journey. I think it's nine games left on the on the schedule. And I think we have what it takes to, you know, win a couple of those. I mean, we have some big ones at home that we're going to have to take care of. Texas, Baylor, TCU, and Kansas all coming to Lubbock over the next few weeks. So we'll see exactly what happens with the health of this team and the health of Warren Washington and Tucson playing like the Tucson that we saw earlier in the year. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is like Tucson has, let's just be clear, he's played like shit, like the last several games before Baylor. I mean, we'll, he he would tell you the same, I think. He just played like dog shit. He, he looked out of control, was not helping you on either side, just completely ineffective. So that can't happen, right? Like, this team is thin rotationally. And to see him finally find it again and get out of this slump is a good sign. Now, granted, with everything else going on in this game, it ended up not being enough. But to, to, to be clear, like, you're going to win a lot of games when, like, Chance McMillan has 15 and Toussaint has, you know, 19. Like, you're going to win a lot because Pop is going to be in there as well. You're going to have uh, – uh, Williams have some games. Warren Washington, when he's fully up to snuff, have some good games. You know, Walton's going to give you some good points. Like, it's going to come together, but a lot of what has hurt you is Toussaint not playing well. I mean, he's just a big part of your offense. Um, he's an irreplaceable part, right? Like, we don't have another guard to go and really take over for him. Part of this speaks back to some of the stuff about Lindsey. Like, why aren't we trying to develop a, a former four-star into a guy to plug in there? But, like, Lamar Washington, Robert Jennings, I love those guys to death. They play hard, but they can't do it. They When those guys are rotated in, the team looks worse. So, like, Toussaint has to play as much as possible, and he has to play well as much as possible. So my biggest takeaway is, like, if he's out of that slump, you're going to win a lot of games going forward. You're at 16-6. and six. I think you need three to make the NCAA tournament. I think a 19-6 and six Big 12 team will get in. Um, ideally, you win four or five and make it a lock. Um, so, you know, you, you want to take care of business down the stretch. The schedule's fairly favorable. 
Um, to be honest, it, it is a break that, you know, KU comes to you, Texas is coming to you, Baylor's coming back around, TCU. Um, you got UCF on the board next. Like, these are very winnable games. Not Nothing's easy in the Big 12, but having these home games is huge. Like you mentioned, the Flues should, I hope, be done with this program, and these guys will feel better and be able to play to their best, and we'll just see what happens. But I, I think the biggest thing to watch is, like, if Tucson does not continue to struggle, this team can win a lot of games. Now, I'm going to say it again. The rebounding curse is going to get you. I'm willing to bet that ends your season if it ends early. But if the, the only way you're going to recover, uh, overcome that is outstanding guard play from all of your starting guards. And Tucson's been MIA, and now to have him back and playing well, I think that can really be a difference maker for this team and this program um, as they look to make up the stretch the second half of the season be a lot like the first where you really exceeded expectations until this losing streak, you were flying extremely high. So, you know, we can get back to those ranks with the help of Joe Toussaint playing to his best. Now let's look ahead. Now I, I'm not going to say this is an easy win. The UCF night golden Knights have knocked off a few uh, folks who have taken them for granted, but this is likely one of the easier games Texas tech will have. Um, and that's, says a lot about the quality of this conference, but UCF is sitting at 13 and eight. The Red Raiders will take on the NASA special, as I like to refer to them. And look, you can't lose this game at home. I mean, let's just be clear. You cannot lose this game at home. You lose this game at home. I'm not saying your season's over, but it'll start to look like you're circling the train because you, you just, you just aren't going to play a worse team at home than UCF. Um, right now and you know for their part UCF is playing good basketball the last couple of weeks challenged Baylor beat Oklahoma but still it's at home you cannot let another Cincinnati situation come about got to get this one done Joe let's start with it let's get right into it at the highest level what do you feel looking at this matchup for the Red Raiders knowing they've got to get this win for any number of reasons but the simplest one being you're just at home to the more, I think, pressing ones, which is are the quality of the opponent and trying to break this losing streak. It's a must win. This is definitely a must win game for this this Red Raider ball club. Not saying to your point, um, the team, the season is completely lost, but this is one of those games you need to win. Central Florida doesn't boast this huge, huge lineup like the BYUs, like the Cincinnati's. They don't have a, a whole bunch of big guys. They do have a seven-footer, and I do think they have a 6'10 guy, and then everybody else is who gets meaningful minutes is going to be below that. So this is going to be one of those deals as long as – potentially as long as we have Warren Washington back. If we could at least stay par rebound for rebound, cut back on some of those offensive rebounds that we've been allowing over the last – few games well i mean over the course of the season but more so in the in the losing streak how bad it's been on the offensive board if we could limit that then i think we have a shot in this game it's not going to be a gimme but this is definitely a ball game to get to right the ship to get things back moving forward where we were looking at going this is a game that has to be won on saturday afternoon yeah, I, I, I can't make this clear. You lose this game, I, again, you're not done because a lot of things can happen, but your season will be looking DOA. I mean, it's 
it's that kind of game. You just you cannot afford to drop this one. You cannot afford to lose to UCF. Um, you can't afford to lose to a team that you're better than in pretty much every statistical category besides rebounding. Um, it just can't happen. I mean, this is a UCF team that does not score at a good clip, um, that does not have a lot of assists. You know, they, they, they're 94st in point differential. They're 5-5 um, they're five and five in the last 10 games. I think they're like one in four against the spread oh, home versus away. So like you're just, you're just, I, 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 you cannot lose this game. Like you can, I think I should make this clear. UCF is good enough to beat you, beat OU. They've got a couple other good wins on the year. I think they got the Kansas win, uh, which really, I think rocked the conference a bit to see KU go down. They got Kansas. Uh, they got Texas. They beat West Virginia. It's like they're capable of winning big 12 basketball games, but to be frank, right? Like they just, they just aren't very good. And, you know, they've got the loss to Ole Miss dropped the game to, uh, to K, uh, to Kansas state, to Cincinnati, um, you know, like this, this just isn't a very good basketball team, um, and you should beat them. You should beat them. Like compare, like not very good is harsh, perhaps. But like compared to the rest of the Big Twelve, I think it's them and probably West Virginia that are arguably the worst two teams by a good degree. And you just can't afford to drop this one. If you were on the road, I think it's different because I've been seeing the crowds. I don't know what they call their uh, their stadium, but I've been seeing the crowds coming out of Orlando, and it's looked raucous and tough to go play in, which you know fueled that KU upset. But like, you cannot lose this game at home. You cannot to do it. If you lose this game at home, the wheels will seriously come off the bus, and all the positive energy McCaslin's built will really, I think, go away. Um, you know, this is part of the, one of the things I want to talk to. Before I throw it back to you, Joe, for another question about some of the specifics, is like this is where you make your money as a college basketball coach. It's your introductory season. You had a great start in the conference play, and then you hit the adversity we all kind of knew was coming as injuries piled up, as sickness, as just the grind of the season wears on a thin rotation. How do you motivate your guys to stay focused when things aren't going your way? Because, look, like Tech could miss the tournament this year, and it, it's a failure. I think any year you don't make it in this conference because of the number of opportunities you get to make the NCAA tournament. But, like, there are a couple of ways to miss it. Ending the year, like, going 4-5 and five down the, or 2-7 and seven down the stretch and missing, but, like, a game or two would hurt pretty damn bad. You're in position get the job done and finish strong. But it starts with like this one. You win this one, get to 17 and six. You will feel very good about your tournament chances. And you'll feel a lot. You'll have this monkey off the back, off your back of the losing streak. Get that done, get back into the conference a bit and find your, find your stroke. And then I think you can go from here, but this is where coaches make their money is how do you get these guys refocused? How do you shake things up? How do you handle your rotations with all this stuff going on? Um, and, you know, continue to earn that paycheck. McCaslin's done a great job this year, but this is going to be another very tough coaching job. He, I thought, performed great against Baylor, other than the Lindsay situation kind of biting him in the ass uh, with regards to how thin your rotation's gotten. But to, to lose that one by six was a positive. Now you've got to take the next step. No moral victories here. You have got to win this game. All right, Joe, we've been talking about the high-level stuff. Let's get specific here and start talking about it. I... I you know, I like to think of this from Tech's perspective. For football, we always look at it kind of from more of the opponent's perspective. For basketball, I think it's more important to do your stuff. So on Tech's side of the ball, who's your key player here? Who has to play their best game for Texas Tech to get this must-win done? 
this is going to be a tough one for me because there's a few different players out there. I think Chance McMillan's going to need to be huge in this game. Um, the size advantage wise, um, you know, we're we're steady par with the same kind of length and size as a Central Florida when certain rotations are out there. But I'm just going to stick with I'm going to go with Darian Williams. Um, he had a bigger game against Baylor, stepped up, hit some big shots. We didn't get quite the rebounding that we wanted out of him. You know, that's like I said, you know, that's kind of like the mantra of this this team right now. So I just think Darren Williams needs to have another big, big time game, take some pressure off of Warren if he comes back, you know, get some meaningful minutes from his position, get some meaningful rebounds, get some get some more opportunities to give to our offense. And hopefully we could put this game away early. Not saying that that's going to happen in this particular case, but Darren Williams needs to have another consistent game. Um, Chance McMillan off of the bench is going to be huge. And then also I'm still kind of wondering what we're going to see. If we do see Warren Washington back, are we going to just go back to not seeing Kai or EY on, you know, in kind of a rotation? Are we going to start slowly working these guys in because they kind of proved that their worth at Baylor was is yet to be determined but we'll see with that. And if if that's the case, then you know Kai Kai Lindsay would be my second, just in just in the case that he is brought back. Don't know exactly the health condition of Warren, but it that'd be really good to see him go out there and get some more meaningful minutes for this basketball team. For me, and it, it's starting to sound like a broken record, but it's it's just anybody off your bench to play well is the key to this game, right? Like that's, and that excludes Chance McMillan, who I, I basically think of starter five B. Um, you know, I know that the six man job is one that I think McCaslin likes for him to provide that spark, but the rest of the bench, someone has to play better. Like you mentioned, maybe we see some of the guys who haven't been getting minutes getting rotated in. Maybe it's Lamar Washington and Jennings finally showing some some. Um, wherewithal on both sides of the ball, but without it, I mean, like this is this just this is one of the, you have a few games left before I think like development kind of stops. Now you can get hot, and that happens in basketball. The 2019 team's an example. 2018, um, the Sweet 16 team under Mark Adams, like those teams got hot at the right moments. But like your ability, I think, to really come together as a team the window gets smaller and smaller the further you get in the year, like all sports. It's like you're going to lock in your identity here in the next few games. Like it's kind of going to be what it's going to be. Your last chance is to show yourself and to secure minutes. Somebody on the bench needs to have a big one. I, I This team just can't win games only running seven deep. It, can't, it just can't have the kind of success we want them to have doing that, I think, long term. And you're already seeing it, right? Like you're in the middle of this losing streak. Guys are getting banged up. People aren't feeling well. The grind is going to get to this team more and more the longer you go if you cannot find like an eighth or ninth guy um, and get this rotation deeper. And I think that's a great opportunity to do it, right? Like I, I mentioned, it, UCF is one of the weaker teams in the conference. Um, you've got them at home. You need to get this monkey off your back. Um, it, it, it is without a doubt um, 
a time for some unsung hero to make a name for himself, whoever that is. And it's one that I think is the most important to this outcome of this game. Because if Toussaint is playing well, if you're if if he plays well, I think you kind of know what your starters are going to give you. Now, there's been some streakiness in that group, but you know what they're going to get. So who's going to support them? Who's going to come in and spell them and give them those minutes? That's my key. And it, 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 it so far, McMillan's been the only guy on that bench who's shown anything at all. 99.999% of the time. So this is a moment for somebody to do it. Jennings got the start in the previous game and was just awful. He's back to the bench. Um, hopefully he can have a bounce back game or maybe Washington or so, just someone, anybody at this point. We're begging for one more guy to enter the rotation as a you know consistent six to 10 point scorer who's going to give you a couple rebounds and assists and not actively hurt you on both sides of the ball. Because um, right now, I think the biggest problem for this team, besides the rebounding, is the fact that like your bench hurts you. Washington and Jennings, when they enter the game, they kill you. They they just they suck the life out of this team when they have to be in there, and it becomes four v five because that's how bad they're playing. And I know that sounds harsh, and I'm after these guys, but like these guys are experienced basketball players. There's no excuse for it. They should be better than this at this point in their careers. And today, I think Saturday night. Um, I guess Saturday midday more like is when they're going to show that they are parts of this program that are valuable and worth playing, you know, 15, 20 minutes a game to spell your starters and give these guys some rest and just lengthen the, the ceiling on this team can get locked in if the bench isn't there, you know, it, it's lower without the bench. So the fact that you need to find your bench now this late in the year, not the best time, but it's, it's t- more, it is well beyond time to do it. All right, Joe, now we're going to take a brief glance at UCF. Is there when you're looking at the at, at what they do best? Is there anything that you're most concerned about besides our obvious concerns about rebounding? Um, nothing really, to be completely honest. There's nothing that jumps off the page that says, "Oh, you know, this, that, or the other." Like this team is going to run you off the court. They move the ball up and down. I mean, it's a pretty even kill on what you're getting. They do move the ball very well. I've watched a few different highlights of the games that they've won, especially the Kansas game where they just fed off of the energy in that arena, and that was electric. And I expect some kind of similar crowd there. When, Or I'm sorry, we're playing that here, but we played them over there in two weeks. Um, but whenever they start feeding and they start playing together, I mean, they're, they're a pretty salty, scrappy group of of guys there there are a bunch of veterans out there a bunch of fifth year guys upperclassmen some guys who have been around the block you know so they're they're used to the grind not necessarily the big 12 but i think they i mean they've held their own in this conference since coming over so there's nothing like i said really that jumps out the page and scares me i mean they have one one guy who's shooting 47 percent from beyond the arc, but he's only taken 17 shots beyond the arc. Their leading scorer, um, Jalen Sellers, is, you know, shoots 30% from three. You know, he's a great free throw shooter. He gets to the line. Um, but there's not really anything about the team collectively that scares me. There's a couple players there on that roster that do, you know, pose issues for this Texas Tech basketball team. But as far as collectively as a team, I don't there's nothing that jumps off the page and says, hey, if we don't do this, then uh, we're in for a long afternoon. 
yeah, when I look at UCF, it's the same. And then, like, it, I, it just doesn't even bother. We shouldn't even, we shouldn't at this point have to keep mentioning the rebounding. But, like, if you can find any way to be somewhat competent regularly on the glass, then you're going to win this game. Or you should. I mean, look, UCF has had its moments, KU being, I think, the best example of this, where they play great basketball overall. But they, they're they just not, nothing you look at this team screams at you like a, a huge mismatch besides your issues on the glass, which is a mismatch with everybody in this league. Just everybody in this league has an advantage over you in rebounding, it feels like. Um, so, like, that, that, that's really it to me. Um, I, I'd like to try to, to, to drag this out a bit longer, but there really isn't much of a point. We know what we've got. We know what the objective is for this team. We know how critical this game is. And we know that this is a really a – it could be a turning point for the entire season. If you win, you're back on track. You've got some confidence. You're just a couple of games out from pretty much being a lock to the dance. You lose this one. You have a, have a long road ahead of you to try to claw your way back into the conversation again um, because you just, you're just not going to play many teams this bad for the rest of the year. I, uh, looking at your schedule, I, you really you just aren't going to play anybody like, with this big of a shot to get the job done. Um, so like this is one you really, really, really want. And, Joe, that brings me to the, our, my favorite part of the show, which is calling your shot. Does Texas Tech end the, earn the must-win, or do they fall yet again at home? This is, like I said earlier, this is a must-win. I think this is where we put it all back together, right the ship, get back on the same page, get back to playing Texas Tech basketball before the losing streak, before the injuries, before the sickness, before all the bullshit, you know. I think this is whenever we get back to what we were doing um, pre-three-game losing streak. I think this is all this all the pieces are there. We're getting the pieces back. Tucson is obviously going to be the biggest catalyst. We're one of the biggest catalysts because as he goes, we go. He facilitates. He creates problems going in, dishing to our shooters, Chance, Pop, Kerwin, those guys and they those guys start knocking down the three ball then is we're going to be tough to beat and considering the favorable schedule we have here in Lubbock the next few weeks I think this is a huge huge game for multiple reasons obviously you want to end the you want to end the slide you just, when's the bleeding going to stop when are we going to stop the losing streak it stops on Saturday biggest reason why obviously to get off the sty but in a few days after that, I think, according to our schedule, February 12th, Kansas comes in to Lubbock. Big Monday. You know, this is a massive game. You want to go into that game having momentum. You take care of business on Saturday against Central Florida. Now you kind of play with that chip on your shoulder against Kansas. Not so much pressing because you're trying to lose a uh, – you're trying to stop a four-game losing streak. This is when you could play lax. This is whenever you could play your brand of basketball. This is this is massive. And I think Tech gets it done. First one to 70 wins, but I think Tech's going to win this one 75, 68. Somewhere in there, it's going to be relatively close, but we make the shots down the stretch to get back on the winning streak, going strong against the Hawks on Monday night. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, this is just one, like, forecasting tech to lose is, is just really depressing. Um, but for that matter, I also agree that this is probably going to be a very close contest. I mean, UCF has a couple of bigger losses, but, you know, they just, they, they're, like everybody in the Big 12, they hang around, they hang around, they hang around. So they, I, I imagine late in this game we will be sweating the outcome just because that's how Big 12 basketball is. It doesn't really matter who you're playing. It doesn't matter how bad they, they may appear compared to your other opponents or whatever the case. Everybody's good and everybody can beat you. I think Tech gets this one done 77-69 to 69, um, in a game that I think is only that eight-point gap arises late in this one with some free throw shooting where fortunately tech has been quite good at the line um all year and hopefully that streak continues i just you can't lose this one and like you said it, the matchup of kansas is looming large that following monday it's gonna be the big big monday matchup um primetime basketball game against the jayhawks you're either going to be feeling really really silly going into that one and begging for the upset or you're going to be playing with house money just trying to get it done and kind of ruin Kansas's rise into, you know, you know, typical Bill Self. Their team kind of rounds in the form February heading into uh, March. So it's an opportunity to kind of to knock them off their flow a bit. But it has to happen first. It's the UCF win. That has to happen first. You got to get this one done. And like I said, this, this is, like, I think, a turning point in your season. You lose this one, I would imagine you're in very serious trouble. You win this one, you're right back on track of accomplishing the goals you wanted to and getting back ahead of schedule in the McCaslin era. So it has to start at home. Hopefully we have a great crowd. It's a Saturday midday game. Super Bowl Sunday the next day. Have a party all weekend watching sports. Enjoy the weekend. And, you know, hopefully if you are able to go, you are there, ladies and gentlemen, any of our listeners out there. As always, folks, like, subscribe, whatever it is on whatever major podcasting platform. Feel free to DM us at any time. Leave a comment. Tweet at us. doesn't really matter. We're happy to chat. Um, we're always happy to talk about Texas Tech athletics. If you have something you'd like us to discuss, you can also reach out. Hell, I don't even really care. I, I did this with either the Matadors on occasion. If you're somebody who's involved in one of the non um, you know, athletic competition teams, you know, your hell meat judging is the most famous, but there's all kinds from the band teams to the wool judging to a- anything in between. I love those stories. They're a lot of fun. So feel free to let us know how you guys are doing with your respective seasons, because I want tech to win at everything. I don't give a shit what it is. Um, and like always folks, if you have something that you didn't like that we said, you can also let us know. Criticisms, perfectly valid, especially if it doesn't have too many expletives and name calling in it. But we hope to hear from you guys. And be sure to enjoy the game this Saturday, 3 p.m. And then, of course, the turnaround into Kansas at 8 p.m. We'll try to record before that game. It was Super Bowl Sunday going on. I mean, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm, I'm going to just take the fat L on Monday and go into work hungover. So I do not imagine I will be available to record, but Joe has – might or maybe Kendall or somebody might get to it. Hopefully we can. If not, no biggie. Just enjoy the Super Bowl. Um, enjoy Mahomes going for yet another Super Bowl title. It'll be a fun weekend of sports. Enjoy it to the max because we are, I mean, football ends right here, folks. And then it's all basketball and baseball right around the corner. But for a bit, we'll have a bit less going on in the sporting calendar. Um, Reckon, folks, talk to you guys soon after hopefully a couple of great Red Raider wins.